and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by good friend of the pod, longtime no see. It is Ryan Hinton at Dat Boy Wolf on Twitter of Saints Twitter Podcast fame of all all kinds of podcast fames. I've been seeing you on some different podcasts as well, Ryan. Things are blowing up for you. How are things going? Thank you so much for uh, coming back on the program. Oh, no, I appreciate you having me on. You've been a friend of me for a long time. You know, just when I started this whole podcast thing, me and my uh, host Adam, co-host Adam, running the Saints Twitter podcast, uh, which is doing pretty well. Um, You know, still our own little thing and our own little Saints Twitter, you know, environment or you know hemisphere whatever you want to call it <laughs> but it's doing real well uh, we're growing uh, we you know we just got back from Las Vegas we went out to Vegas uh, for the NFL draft and had like a little mini draft party slash dinner and did a live stream uh, so it was fun you know it's just we're trying to grow this thing and make it sort of like a like a little like the Saints fans the Saints fans podcast, pretty much, where they know they can come there and get like Saints fans' perspective on things, not the not the BS, but like a realistic Saints fan. You know. Well, I think you guys do a great job of that, and you you've certainly done the much smarter podcast uh, marketing route of choosing your niche, where I chose to just talk about everything that happens in the NFL all the time, which is a lot harder to advertise and market. But hey, I don't do this for fame. I do this for good times and I do this for for hanging out with my boy, Ryan. So I appreciate you joining us so much. And uh, this episode's really going to be heavily Saints focused because, you know, I wanted to get you on when Sean Payton happened. And we weren't really able to get that done. We wanted to get you on for the senior bowl. That wasn't, we weren't really able to do that. Today is all about just catching up on what has been, I would argue, one of the craziest off seasons of all time for one singular franchise. Like so much has changed for the Saints in the past four months where they're just a completely different roster offensively right now. And they have a totally new coaching staff, and it feels like the vision has very much changed in the span of, you know, where last year they felt kind of rudderless at points. It seems like there's like a vision now, but am I right to say that? I do feel like the Saints have had maybe the most eventful offseason in the entire NFL. No, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's been a crazy offseason, which is kind of funny because it did, it wasn't always that way this offseason. You know, I mean, if you if you ever go and listen to some of our podcasts from earlier this year, we were kind of just beating the wall, like, do something. Like, <laughs> matter of fact, we had this podcast called What's the Vision? Because we weren't seeing it. Um, so, yeah, things kind of worked out over time. It's been a crazy offseason for them. It's been a crazy offseason in the NFL. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, had a lot happened this offseason. So I just, I'm just kind of looking forward to when the season starts, you know, for the real chaos. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have some back-end non-Saints questions because I always like to get your, your opinions on that. I know you watch all the NFL, so uh, I definitely want to get some opinions on uh, some other teams before we get out of here. But let's start with Sean Payton. Obviously steps away to – join broadcasting but as the offseason more on and i'm glad that we're doing this now we kind of have a clear picture of what sean payton is doing at first it was advertised as he's going to be like a color analyst for fox and that very quickly turned into no he's going to be on the studio show and then that turned into well he's not actually going to be on the studio show a lot he's just going to be like filling in when jimmy johnson doesn't feel like showing up and i mean how often is that exactly? It feels like I watch, I personally, I prefer the Fox pregame show. That's my pregame show. That's the show I like more. I like Michael Strahan. I like, I like, uh, what's his face? Oh, uh, the, not Olsen. 
Um, Long. Uh, Howie Long. Howie Long. I like Howie Terry Long. Bridge, I like Terry Bradshaw. Um, Terry would never escape my mind. Howie Long, I had to think about Chris Long, yeah. and then yeah, I, yeah. I, I got there. But uh, Howie Long, I just like the vibe they got there at Fox show. But let me tell you, I mean, Jimmy Johnson, he kind of did it from his house last year. Yeah. But still, like, he can be on basically every week. So at that point, it's like, okay, is Sean Payton really actually going to be doing any broadcasting this year or not? And the more we step away from it, this guy just did something totally unprecedented. I think personally he did it the right way. But it's clear he just didn't want to coach for the Saints anymore. And he he was just ready for a different chapter with a different team. So he disguised it as like a half retirement and he'll yeah. be back somewhere next year. But and he'll be the hottest name in the coaching circles uh, going into next offseason. But um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Can you just put into perspective like for like how important I guess Sean Payton was to the history of the Saints. Oh, oh my goodness. It's it's hard to really encapsulate it, man, because I don't know how old you are. I know you're pretty young. Yeah, I'm 23, right. so not 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 super old. So about most of your life, Sean Payton has been the head coach of the Saints. Mm-hmm. So for the most of your life life, the Saints have been a, a winning organization. They're, you know, got like the fourth most wins in the NFL since, you know, Sean Payton's been there that won the Super Bowl, been in the playoff on a lot, you know. So, but before that, in the ancient times, they were like, just how people view the Lions or just how people view uh, the Browns a few years ago, the Bengals, you know, a few years ago. Like, they were just a kind of lovable loser, they were a team that, you know, never made the playoffs. They made the playoffs like maybe three times in their history since 1967. Um, they won their first playoff game in the year 2001. Think about that. The first playoff, I mean, the team's been around since 67 and win the first playoff game in, 19, in 2001. Um, it was, you know, it was... It was terrible. I mean, it was a sad franchise, man. They had some fun seasons. They had some, you know, some winning seasons in the early 90s. They had some decent teams in the early 2000s with Jim Hazlitt and Aaron Brooks. But for the most part, it's just been, it was dry, man. And Sean Payton came and he changed, him and Drew Brees, they just completely changed all of it, you know, to where every year you were in the hunt. You were in the hunt for a Super Bowl. Sure, they only won one, but they, you know, there was never a year where you didn't feel like they had a chance. And I mean, I mean, just slap a value on that. Like that's that's what every team wants. And he completely changed the culture. He changed the viewpoint of the Saints. Um, I remember back in the, I remember back in the day, you just didn't see the Saints be talked about on national TV. You watch ESPN, you wouldn't even see a Saints highlight from a game. You know, from a Sunday game. It just was like it was almost like it didn't exist. And he completely changed that. He uh, you know he was a Innovator on offense, really changed the game as far as how, you know, running backs are distributed, uh, route concepts and, you know, slot receivers, big slot receivers. You know, he really changed the game offensively for the NFL. And, you know, he really, he really understood New Orleans and really, uh, you know, changed the way the team engendered itself to the city of New Orleans which was, you know, the city of New Orleans always loved the Saints. But, you know, he really understood that it had to be a package deal. So he was really good at that. And uh, so, I mean, like, New Orleans will always love Sean Payton. Like right now, you know, you catch us on Twitter, we might curse him out. We might say F Sean and stuff like that. But everybody knows what he did for the team, you know. And But him leaving, it, you know, you could argue maybe it was getting time. Things were getting a little stale. Um, for him, you know, for him and for the team, maybe. Um, and for him, you know, this kind of been creeping around for a couple of years now. He, you know, he kind of wanted to go for the Rams job before McVay got it. Uh, you know, he sniffed around with the Cowboys a couple of years ago. 
So it's kind of he's kind of been one of us just like his old boss Parcells. Um, so you know, this is this is his chance. It was his chance to get out. Felt like it was at the right time, year after Drew Brees. You know, what pissed a lot of Saints fans off is he just left the house in order out of order. You know what I'm saying? Out right. the offense was a mess, the offensive line was a mess. Um, $70 million over the cap. You know, that that's what kind of pissed a lot of Saints fans off because he didn't really leave a transition. But hey, he really, you know. He didn't have to, honestly, at the end of the day. It's not like he had a great transition when he came there. He took over a team that was, you know, still recovered from a, you know, biblical flood um, and had one of the worst, had the worst roster in the NFL, you know what I'm saying, when he got here. So, you know, you can't really blame him for just, just getting out of there. Yeah. I mean, you lose Drew Brees as your quarterback. Like that's tough. Like you got to me that that's where the the change really stemmed from is the fact that he went with Jameis. Jameis kind of got injured and they kind of fizzled out and they weren't able to, you know, make it super far into the playoffs last year. Yeah, they really didn't get in the playoffs. They, right. They almost made it. Almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like the more I've thought about it, it was shocking at the moment, but like the more you're removed from it, it, it does make sense, but he kind of stepped away because the saints really are in a different place now and they're kind of doing their own thing now, but they, they are sort of retooling a little bit and trying to yeah. find a new identity. And I don't think Sean Payton wanted to reinvent the wheel. I think he wanted to just take his system and try it somewhere else. And I, I think he'll end up doing that next year. So after Sean Payton, which event in the Saints offseason would you like to go to next? Where, 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 where did this crazy road take us after Sean Payton? Well, then you had during the Pro Bowl, um, Alvin Kamara gets in a fight and he gets arrested in Las Vegas. Um, those charges, well, he got charged with, I'm not sure, an assault or something like that. But, you know, those, the court case is still pending kind of up in the air. So we don't know where the league will fall on that. So it's like, okay, Sean Payton leaves. Now your star running back, your star player, pretty much the face of your franchise right now. He's looking at criminal charges. Okay, great. Then weeks later, we hear the Saints are ready to go all in and trade years worth of picks for Deshaun Watson. It's like, oh my God, it's like, what is going on here? Yeah, that that's, uh, you know, that's where this really got crazy is for, for the saints is when they, cause they really, they really were the team that I think a lot of people thought Deshaun Watson was going to go to. Mm-hmm. And before the Browns really swept in and made the, the money play, which is eventually what won him over. Like I, I would say new Orleans, I would have put as the prohibitive favorite to land him. And that of course made, we don't have to get into Deshaun Watson today. I mean, every, we, I, I've said enough on him. I mean, he's a despicable dude who's got like 22 sexual assault cases pending against him. Um, but that that's a crazy moment too. But honestly, I totally forgot about it. you guys were like right in the running for Deshaun Watson. And then it feels like, that's the point of the Saints offseason that felt the most like there was no vision and that it was kind of lost. Would you agree with that? I agree, because it's like, what are you doing? Because I forgot to mention, Sean Payton left, then, you know, a couple of weeks passed, they interview a ton of coaches, but then at the end of the day, they decided to keep Dennis Allen there, de- defensive coordinator for the last six years, which was an expected decision, but it just was, it just felt confusing because they interviewed so many of these so many different coaches, which are, it's not a bad thing to interview different coaches because you got to know what's out there. But it was just like, okay, what are we doing here? Because it seemed like they do what they wanted to do all along. And they, 
that was basically just to kind of keep the culture in place that Sean Payton built and, you know, keep Dennis Allen, who, you know, has head coaching experience, um, keep him in-house. Uh, so you do that, then you decide to go all in um, for Deshaun Watson. Again, like I said, they brought back Dennis Allen to keep the culture that Sean Payton built, high-value, play, high-character players. But you go get Deshaun Watson, the guy with, like you said, 22 civil uh, sexual assault, civil cases against him. And if, you know, you can do yourself, do your own homework and read about it. Me and Adam on our own podcast, we we took a lot of heat from Saints fans over it because we were we were not for it. You know what I'm saying? We were we were ready to end the podcast if they were to sign it. Uh, we were ready to call it. We'd probably do another podcast, but it wouldn't have been the Saints podcast because I just, we both felt like we couldn't root for that team if they were to uh, bring in Deshaun Watson and go all in for him like that, you know, to reward a guy like that for what he did. Um, so, uh, so yeah, then Atlanta got into the mix, um, you know, and Deshaun Watson was kind of playing both teams, you know, trying to obviously play for money, try to get the most money. Then the Browns came in, they came with the Godfather offer. And, you know, thankfully they did. And, you know, that just kind of left us kind of with a bad taste in our mouth. Even though we didn't get them, it's still like they tried their hardest to get them. So it still was like, what do you know, what do we think? For a while, I was really like, I really don't like this team. I didn't, you know, for the first time, I really didn't like like the Saints. You know, so it was put me in kind of a weird spot. But I guess I got over it. Um, and, you know. But it was it was to the point like now what now you know because then after that free agency started <clears throat> they went from being seventy million dollars over the cap to being under the cap by like twenty or twenty five million so they had cap space and you know props to them for just working the cap like they are like Kai Harley and Mickey Loomis the things they do with the cap is just kind of unreal yeah it's black so, magic I mean it's oh, like it's it's like it's crazy. The, the fact that at, at one point didn't they have like over a hundred million in cap space this off season? Uh, the cap space or over the cap? Over, uh, cap. One of the two. I I just heard that number somewhere one time. Like they were they were in the negative, like seventy or eighty million in the negative. Um, yeah, but it, oh, that's where like I'm 30. putting. Yeah. But that, but that's like a hundred million dollars that you just like kind of found yeah. out of nowhere, which is crazy. It's all crap, man. The, the stellar cap game is just fugazi, bro. It's fake. Like, yeah, don't believe it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to realize that. I mean, I've I've been saying it on here for a little bit. It's not it's not real. It doesn't really exist. Like the Saints are proof that it doesn't exist. Like they're just going to like the the Rams, all of them, man. Cap cap always goes up and like, there's always money to spend. So it catches, it catches you. Like it caught the saints um, last year coming off the pandemic where, you know, you didn't have crowds in the stadium. So you had a flat cap. That's where, that's where it'll screw you. But, like I'm saying, that's a global pandemic. Like, who could predict that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then we get to the draft. All right. So first round picks, the Saints end up making some moves. They end up grabbing Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. And I feel like Trevor Penning, that's a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit of a reach, but they needed some tackle help because we all we all know how you guys feel about you know Cesar Ruiz points and like you, <laughs> you need like some you needed some you need some help there. Like if you're if you're eventually gonna bench Ruiz, you're gonna need some type of offensive lineman to fill in for him. Um and you get Chris Olave, who I you know. I'm no draft expert, but I thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft. I, I thought he was absolutely incredible at Ohio State and one of my favorite fit college football players to watch last year. So suddenly the Saints have this draft. I mean, how'd you feel about the Saints draft? Because I felt a lot better once they drafted. I, I felt like it, it, it showed real promise. 
<clears throat> there was so much pressure on this draft because uh, prior to the draft and free agency, they lost uh, Marcus Williams, their free safety, who's, you know, who's been a great free safety in the NFL, uh, really underrated in the league. But, you know, it, it was funny he went to the Ravens because the Ravens, Ravens know their football, bro. So when they signed him, I was like, yep, <laughs> makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Teron Armstead went to the Dolphins, you know, the Saints uh, left tackle for years, uh, which we saw coming. We knew that would happen. Wasn't a surprise at all. Um, but those are two big holes. Those are huge holes left. So they signed uh, Marcus May out the Jets, um, who's a you know who's a good good solid safety. He play free and strong. Um, they had you know James Hurst in house. He's a tackle, kind of a swing tackle that could kind of play all the offensive line spots. Who's played a lot because Teron Armstead's always injured. Um, so. <clears throat> They go up the offseason, they sign those two players, they sign a couple of guys like Street off San Francisco and uh, just a couple of low name, you know, kind of dollar menu guys. So then it's like, okay, like, is that it? It was just weeks of nothing. So it was kind of, they was kind of telling us like, man, they are going to put all the onus on this draft to make the moves. Then like a week or two before the draft, two weeks before the draft, they make this trade with the Eagles to get one of their picks, so now they have two. They have two first round picks. The Saints have two first round picks. It's like, oh shit! Like, what are they doing? Um, every Saints fan in existence is praying that it's a wide receiver. I mean, you're talking about a wide receiver core that had Marcus Callaway, an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, as their number one last year. Um, Trey, uh, Trey Quan Smith, third round pick from a few years ago who hadn't caught any more than 30 balls in the season. Um, and Deontay Harris, who's a, a punt returner. Like that was their wide receiver core. It, it was terrible. And if you watch Saints games in, two, in 20, 2021, you saw it was terrible. Like, talk, say what you want about Jameis, you know, in his short time, he put up 14 touchdowns and like three interceptions. But man, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. Because just no weapons. It was a dearth, a dearth of weapons, a Sean Payton offense with no weapons. It was unbelievable to watch. And we screamed about it for years because Sean Payton continued to neglect the offense year after year after year because he was so used to Drew Brees making shit out of sugar with undrafted free agents and six-round picks. Uh, he just thought he could keep doing it. He thought his scheme would just create the player. But it can't do that. You need good players, man. So this year, you know, it was almost like that meme of the, you know, that gif of like from the Simpsons where people with pitchforks and torches. It's like we want a wide receiver. And thankfully the Saints fans, I mean, the Saints heard us and they went and got uh Chris Olave out of Ohio State, who I also loved. I had him as my YR2 behind Jameson Williams. Um, he just brings that. He's just he, I just watched him watched like two games of it. I'm like, this dude just fits exactly what the Saints do with their route concepts. They love good route runners. Ohio State continuously puts out some of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, he's fast. Um, not the most physical guy, but, you know, hopefully he can get a little better, bit better in that area. He's a touchdown magnet. Uh, it's just it's a perfect complement to what hopefully is the resurgence of Mike Thomas who's been pretty much out the game for like two years now. Yeah. I'll get, let me just throw this out here right now because after the draft, the saints go out, they sign Jarvis Landry. Okay. We're up to date now. Mm -hmm. Let me just ask you. So I have some takes on the saints and I just want to run them by you and like, see what you think one i didn't realize how deep the secondary was it's like oh yeah it's like crazy deep there's like seven guys that you could probably start um and then you have daniel Sorensen, which that's just like <laughs> i mean that's for now. Kind, that's kind of random but he's not gonna make the team uh yeah i mean you add honey badger who you know honey badger has his downsides 
but he's yeah. still a positive player to add to a defense, I think. Marcus May was pretty good in New York, but it was New York, so you never really 100% know what you're getting. He could be just as good as Marcus Williams with the Saints. Um, That's my, my first take, is that the defense is just as good. But if Michael Thomas comes back and that's a huge if, because it feels like he's had this injury thing come back and there have been set setbacks for literally like a year and a half now. Um, But if he comes back and if he's semi healthy, you have, let's just pretend Alvin Kamara gets suspended like four and a half, four or five games. Like you're still going to have, Jameis, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. I look at that and like I personally I'm just a fan of what Jameis put up last year. Like I it, it wasn't anything crazy good, but he also wasn't the same guy that was throwing like 30 picks in Tampa right. Bay. Like you could tell that that was kind of coached out of him a little bit. And yeah. My thing is, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have to squint too hard to think the Saints can be a top 10 offense next year. Like, they've got the weapons for it, for sure. It would hinge on everything working out. It would hinge on Mike Thomas becoming Mike Thomas again. I'm sure it's going to take him a while to get, you know, his feedback under. Uh, You know, he had a terrible ankle ankle injury. Like, it took multiple surgeries. So we don't know, man. Like we, I saw a little video of him running, like in a straight line. I was like, man, is he running in Timberland boots, bro? I was like, what is going? On? <laughs> like he never was a speed guy, but you know his game is cutting and hard, you know, hard cuts and precision route running and stuff. So I need to see. I've all, I like I've been telling on the saying on the podcast, like I need to see Mike Thomas to know that he exists. Because I just hadn't seen him in years, man. Like, I got to see him. Um, but if he does come back and becomes, say, 80% of what he used to be, it just makes everything work out. Um, it makes, you know, Jarvis Landry, he makes much more sense. Um, uh, Chris Olave, you know, that's your, that's your deep threat slash, you know, intermediate guy. And you have Traquan Smith, who, you know, hadn't been great but he's been good and he it has a knack for getting himself in the end zone. Um, then you have Deontay Harris, who's a speed guy. You could partner with Chris Olave and really force, um, you know, force defenses to sit back. Um, he caught some of the beautiful uh, deep passes from Jameis Winston last year. Um, so now you, and then you got Marcus Callaway, who was your number one last year. Now he's like your fourth or fifth wide receiver who can come in if, you know, Mike Thomas needs a stretch or, you know, Jarvis Landry needs a stretch. Who He could do, you know, he could be a deep threat. He could be short, intermediate. He kind of does it all. So now you have just a nice, well-rounded wide receiver course where, where you know, a month ago it was, it looked like it was one of the worst receiver cores in the league, man. Like it was right down there with, uh, Atlanta Falcons before they drafted uh, Drake London or whatever. It was, it was just one of the worst in the league, man. So for them to change that up that quick and just do what they had to do to make it happen, uh, that was huge. Uh, like I said, it all has to work out, but you know, at least they put the put the money up and uh, try to make it work. And like you said about Alvin Kamara, we'll see with his uh, suspension. That's a huge one. I've been banging the table. You know, I hated that they didn't draft a running back. Although they got an interesting guy in uh, undrafted free agency, um, but they, I still feel like they need to go and sign one of these free agent running backs that's out there, you know, uh, Darrell Williams or somebody. Just to get another body in there because it, you know they just have Mark Ingram and Tony Jones Jr. who I can't stand. So they need to make something happen because Alvin Kamara is a major piece to the puzzle. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how big a suspension he gets. You'd imagine at least a few games are coming. So that's the Saints. Overall, I think the Saints are 
in well, I just think the NFC is weak. That's mm-hmm. that's my take. I think it's one it of is. the this is like arguably the weakest NFC I've seen in my time watching years, football, which years. like hasn't been a long time, but I started watching football in like 2012, 2013, and I feel like the NFC has never been this weak. And like it, it pisses me off, man. It pisses me off because so many years the Saints had those good teams, but the NFC was just so goddamn competitive, man. Where you just you get in the, in the playoffs and it's just like, oh, it's just a dog fight. So, but now they finally want to be a weak a weak conference. So it's like whatever. And I mean, the Saints aren't winning their division. I I'm very confident in that because I think probably well, not. While the NFC is weak, I think the Buccaneers are far and away the best team by a, a pretty Although wide the, margin. I mean, the, the Saints beat the shit out of Tampa Bay. Like that is true twice over and over. But you know, I think I still do think Tampa Bay probably will inch them out as far as like the total win loss. Yeah, the Saints do have a formula to beat Tom Brady. That that has been proven. But I just. You know, I don't think that they're losing the division. I'm, I'm with. I just think they're gonna have more wins. I'm with, I'm with you. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I think about the Saints. Is I, I just think that they're gonna be a playoff team in yeah, a weak you know, NFC. They're not making a Super Bowl. You know, they'll be a good. But it'll good be fun. To, it'll be with, fun. I have met ten wins after the schedule release. I did the. We did the kind of schedule release podcast. Um, that was before they signed Jarvis Landry, but I had him at about nine and a half wins. You know, Jarvis Landry probably put him at 10. Um, so we'll see. You know what I'm saying? I think I think if Jameis stays healthy, if everything works, they're about a 10-win team, maybe more. We'll see. Um, but it's not a not a ton of holes on the team, man. Really, it's the onus is on Jameis and Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, who's been like the quiet offensive coordinator under Sean Payton for years. You know, he's kind of a introverted, somewhat passive guy. You know, he's a complete opposite personality of Sean Payton. So, you know, my big question is, you know, can he come in there with the big nuts, man? Like Sean Payton, Sean Payton walks in the room, everybody knows. Like he is just that type of personality where he is that dude in the room. You know, and I don't know, Pete Carmichael, he's called plays before. He called plays, you know, during the 2012 season when Sean Payton was suspended. He called plays in 2011 when Sean Payton broke his knee. And, you know, they had one of the greatest offense, great, greatest offenses in history that year. Um, so he can call plays, but can he be that tactician, that strategist week to week that can diagnose the defense that they're facing and come up with the things to exploit them? And can he motivate players to play hurt and to you know, to play beyond their ability and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm not saying he can't. I just don't know. So that was that's going to be interesting. Can he keep Jameis reined in like Sean Payton did? Because, you know, a lot of the thing it was, was that Sean Payton kind of reined Jameis in a little too much last year yeah. to the point where, like, he was throwing, like, 130 yards a game. It was like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he reined him in, but damn, like, 130 yards passing, like, uh, <laughs> in today's NFL? That's not going to cut it, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, but he was throwing touchdowns, but it was still like, come on. So can they find that balance to where, you know, because they have a good defense. They can afford a, a little aggressiveness. They can afford it. You know what I'm saying? But you just got to find that balance to where he's not, you know, really causing them to lose games. Right. So it's going to be fascinating, man. I'm, you know, I'm just a spectator like everybody else. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad I had you on because the Saints. I have teams every year that just kind of fascinate me in the offseason, and the Saints are definitely one of them this year. It's just been a really fascinating offseason for the Saints. But before we go, I did just want to pick your brain on some because I know you like talking about all the other NFL stuff. I have some like superlative based questions here, but I'm going to ask you off the top of my head and you can just kind of run me through where, where, where you're thinking right now. If you had to pick a dark horse team to win the Super Bowl, who do you think it would be? 
Ooh. Dark Horse. Um, I don't know if they're Dark Horse, but, you know, the Broncos wouldn't blow me away if they won. I know that's your team, but that would blow me away. And it's a stretch because a lot of things got to work. Look, Russell Wilson has not been good the past year and a half or two. Um, you know, they their roster is usually great. But, you know, I mean, when I look at it, it's it's pretty good, but it's not great. Um, but I, do, I, I, I'm I'm curious, where do you think the weaknesses are on the roster? I, I, the, I mean, look, linebacker, we could argue about how important that is. I don't see the linebacker. I just don't know if the defense is as good as people think it is. You know, Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. Bradley Chubb, I, I wanted him. He's been better on paper than he has been as a player. You know, um, That's so I true. just don't know if the, I don't know if he's an defense, injury risk. Yeah, I just don't know if the defense is where I want to be, but I I just feel like man, like Russell Wilson, if he could really just set it off and light this thing up, um, he in a tough division, I know that and all that, but if he can just get in the dance, he's just one of those type of players. When he's good, man, it's really good. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's a dark horse. It's a dark horse. It's probably most likely won't happen. But it's just one of those teams I'll kind of look at that wouldn't really blow me away if it was up in there next February. Well, I'm a Broncos fan, so you know I have to defend the linebackers. I'm going to tell you a name that you should know. Josie Jewell. This guy tore his pack in week four. But before he (laughs) tore his pack in week four, he was playing like a pro bowler. Like he was a a pretty good linebacker. Um, that That just sounds like a trash linebacker cool like I know to respect and he's just a tough guy like take this from somebody who's had a team with trash linebackers for decades <laughs> we love to overrate our little you know torn pick undrafted free agent yeah linebacker. I know, you know I saying? know we love, we love it we love doing <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess that that that's a common NFL fan but hey trait. they could be great I'm I'm not sure you know like we we don't get as many Denver Broncos games here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm to be honest with you, if I can just put this out there, what I'm most concerned about, I'm concerned about the wide receivers, to be honest with you. Like mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton is up and down. Like yeah. he's shown that he's played at an all-pro level before, but he's had a hard time with consistency last year. Tim Patrick. Um, is I think arguably their best wide receiver, uh, mm-hmm. kind of an undrafted free agent guy out of Utah who has been part of it. KJ Hamler's the total wild card, like he's been around a little bit, but he tore his ACL in like week three last year, and that we never really got to like see much of him in his second season. He's kind of dealt with injuries throughout his career, and then you have Jerry Judy, who I'm just mm-hmm. like. I know he got drafted high, but like, I'm just concerned about Jerry Judy because he yeah, gets arrested yeah. for things like locking his like wife's phone in the car, like stupid yeah. shit, like like stupid random shit like that. Like it, like he he was brought up, he was not being investigated, but he was somehow loosely tied to like a homicide charge. Like that's like a big red flag to me, like the dude and like Trey told me that this was stupid, but the dude has like made it a point to like go out and get mentored by of all people, Antonio Brown. Like (laughs) if you're choosing, like, like if you watch his, his Instagram stories, like you know how guys go train with each other in the off season. Gary Jody, Judy has, chosen consciously a conscious decision he made was yeah i'm gonna go learn from antonio brown which i get it antonio brown as a receiver maybe one of the greatest receivers we've ever seen but like the decision making he has at this point if you even associate with him i have like major character concerns about you and i i don't know i we'll we'll see with jerry judy maybe maybe known god guy Russell Wilson can get him on the straight and narrow, but I don't know. He's, he kind of like, he's never had 
uh, last year was his first season with over a thousand yards and he barely got there. Like yeah, yeah. I, you drafted him. I, I realized you drafted him high and like, and he was good at Alabama, man. It's just, I don't know, man. I but mean, Alabama guys, you just got to wonder about him. Yeah. And like, I hate to drop, but, but I mean, Henry Ruggs was his teammate. Like I know they're yeah. two completely separate people, but like he's Alabama wide receivers, man. Like they kind of, like how many of them have been drafted over the past few years and they get this unreal amount of hype, but like they turn out to be kind of average in the NFL. And like, I don't, I don't know. So that that's for Broncos corner for the day. Um, if you had to pick a pet team that is not the Saints for 2022, who would it be? Oh, the Bengals. Okay. And no, I'm not an LSU fan, so it's not like, oh, Joe Burrow. I know Saints fans love Joe Burrow. I just like, you know, I like, I like, I like, I like, I do like Joe Burrow. I like, I don't love the Bengals as an organization, but I, you know, I like, I just like what they did last year. They were so close to winning it. It's one of those teams I wouldn't mind winning it all. So, no, I, I, I kind of hope they, uh, they keep that train rolling and be in the mix again this year, you know. Who's the worst team in the NFL? Ooh. It's, it's arguably still the Jags, but, you know, and, you know, I hate this team. They're my longtime rival. I hate this team. But I'm, I'm saying this as unbiased as possible. I think the Atlanta Falcons might be. They they might they might not be, but they can be if things don't work out. Yeah. If if Drake London a gets point. a hammy, if Drake London gets a hammy, and Marcus Rariota is who I think he is, and Desmond Ritter is who I think he is, then they could be like picking number one overall next year. Wow. Yeah, that I mean that's a real possibility. I kind of like their vision though. Their vision has sort of been like yeah. Let's get let's build like the offense and then worry about the quarterback when we need a quarterback. I agree. I agree. And if it works, it could it could like if if Kyle if Kyle Pitt continues his ascension, if Drake London um is a good player, which I think he will be. I like I like Drake London. Um if Marcus Mariota is a top twenty-five-ish quarterback or Maybe Desmond Ritter could come in there and be like a just kind of exciting little piece. Um, you know, maybe they, you know, they, they'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not going to win much, but they'll be fine. But man, it's it that that roster is not really good. It's not. Yeah. Last question here. This one a, a player specific question. You know, I like quarterbacks. Who's the quarterback that has the most pressure on them this season? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I really think Josh Allen. Really? Yeah, I think so. Not, I mean, look, it's not like he's going to get cut next season or something like that. It was, right, no, no, saying, no. Like, everything is set up right now. It's like if you know about Super Bowl or bus, it's Super Bowl or buff bus in Buffalo. Like right, they, what they did this offseason in the free agency in the draft, um, you know you had that you know massacre that went on last week. So you know I'm sure the Buffalo area needs some positivity. Um, and you know, I mean even if you look at their schedule, it's like. If you wanted to find like a team the NFL wanted to win, if you look at the Buffalo schedule and how it's set up, or when they play certain teams and stuff like that, it's it's beautiful. So like it's set up for Buffalo Bills to at least be like a number one seed in, in the AFC. You know what I'm saying? After that, we'll see. Um, but I feel like the pressure is on. You know, he's paid. He's a franchise quarterback now. Nobody questions it. A couple of years ago, people wondered about, you know, is 
Josh Allen. Nobody's questioning that now. They seen that playoff game against him and uh him and uh, uh Patrick Mahomes. He, they know he's up in the upper echelon. So it's it's I feel like the pressure is really on him to show that he's ready to take him to a Super Bowl. Well, you know, whether it's fair or not, I don't know. I mean, who cares? But just as far as sports, I think that's what it is. Mm. Can I give you mine really quick? Yeah, shoot. I think it's Dak Prescott. Ooh, that's like, a good one. Hey, that's a good one, man. Like Loki, I think we've got like we've been through enough of Dak's career, but like mm-hmm. this is this is gonna be what year seven, right? Yeah. Seems like like year one through three, it was a lot of like, oh yeah, Dak's like this up and coming quarterback. Like this guy's a guy you can really build yeah. around. It feels like good. it feels like then years four and five were people being like, okay, holy cow, this guy is like a top three NFL quarterback and really pounding the table for that. But honestly, I thought he regressed a little bit last year. I agree. Like, I agree. Like, if you look at his numbers, yes, he puts up fantastic numbers, but it's against, like, look who he puts up fantastic numbers against. Like, he puts up great numbers against really terrible defenses. He torches, like, Washington and New York twice a year. Like, that's where those numbers come from. Yeah, no, he, no, no. It, it's, he put, what's crazy is, yeah. Well, maybe two years ago, I was on your podcast, and we were doing, like, the quarterback rankings. Right, yeah. And I asked, like, is it crazy if Dak Prescott is ranked higher than Aaron Rodgers? And you guys, and pretty much everybody I asked was like, no, that's not crazy. But that's just where we were at the time. Like, it was like, damn, is Dak Prescott better than Aaron Rodgers? And you wouldn't even think to ask that right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah. that's just how I crazy mean, the NFL is. Honestly, I haven't done any quarterback stuff yet this offseason. But, like, off the top of my head, like, he's not in the top five right now. Like, no. there's there's no way he's in the top five. And I wonder if he's even in the top eight. Like, I, I'd have to think about it, but, I mean, it's – I'd argue that he's probably not, or if he's, he is, is right on the edge. Like, I feel like alone there's, like, in the AFC, there's, like, eight of the top ten, basically. And then you have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So, like, is he, like, that's going to be very interesting. Is, like, I guess I'll just ask you point blank. Do you believe Dak Prescott is a top ten quarterback right now? Because I, I really – I don't know if you asked me that question, I wouldn't have an answer because I've I have no idea. I feel like there's a chance he's not though. It's it's on edge. I'll put it like that. If he is top ten, it's like nine or ten. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, at that point, you're lumping him in with guys like Derek Carr from last year, and I mean, I don't think that's crazy to put him in that's the not same. Crazy at all. To put him in the same place as Derek Carr. I just, he was, especially with the playoffs last year, like. With the weapons he had, man, it's like. Like, the, the and his decision-making at the end of that game. And, like, what I think of Dak as a person, like, I don't know if you saw his post-game comments, but, like, he was very, like, unaccountable for, like, the, the whole thing and, like. I, I just don't – I don't know I don't know about Dak Prescott. He's, like, the one guy that I really stand for the past two or three years that last year people told me, like, why do you keep doing this? And I kind of started watching closer, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I might be pretty wrong about Dak Prescott. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, – I feel like he's got a ton of pressure on him. All right, Ryan. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I think we're going to keep this under an hour, which is great. Uh, That's what I'm trying to keep podcasts at these days. I found the shorter ones usually do better. Uh, So we're going to end it here today. But where can people find your stuff? And and thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm definitely hoping to have you back on when we do some NFC South previewing in July. Cool. No, man, you can always follow me at ThatBoyWolf on Twitter. Uh, follow my podcast at Saints Twit Pod, or find us on you know your podcatcher hashtag Saints Twitter Space Podcast. 
or just look up hashtag Saints Twitter. We'll come up. Um, and, you know, follow us, man. We have a good time. We talk, you know, obviously we talk mostly Saints, but we talk some NFL stuff. And sometimes we interview people that's completely outside the football realm and just, you know, whether it's an astrophysicist or, you know, a clinical psychologist, or we, we, you know, interviewed Hal Hickle, who works for, he's one of the lead, um, lead um, visual artists for Industrial Light and Magic. He's done like all the Star Wars movies and TV shows. Wow, that's we crazy. Just, we get out there, man. So, like, just check us out and, you know, give us a follow. And, you know, if you're a Saints fan, check it out. If you're not a Saints fan, you probably won't like it. Well, I'm not a Saints fan, and I don't listen to every episode. But when I do listen, I do enjoy it. So go check it out. There's I appreciate some good, good camaraderie. And uh, I'm hoping to get Adam on here at some point. Uh, Gotta get Adam, man. He seems like a cool dude. So, anyhow. Thanks so much for joining me, Ryan. We will see you next time. We will be back likely next week. Trey probably still on vacation, but I will find likely another co-host for us to put out another episode next week. We will see you then. Peace out.